So, today, um, I'm starting a new series for this month, all the rest of this month, um, entitled, Beginnings and Endings. Title of this message is Beginning and Endings. Beginnings and Endings. How many know that there are things that we begin and there are things that we end? But always remember this. With every ending, there's always a new beginning. Amen? Um, Some people think that when they leave this earth and they pass from this place to the next place that they're that it's an ending but all it is is an ending that creates the ultimate new beginning that will never end (laughs) but in life in life there are things that we start but there are things that end and and i want you to remember this throughout this whole series that I believe that most people, because they don't understand what we're going to talk about, this is a very important word, it's a very important message, but most people are afraid of endings. Most people are afraid that things are going to end. Most people are afraid of endings. So, think about it. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 13. have a few passages of scripture, and I'm really going to lay a foundation today for the next three messages that we have <clears throat> that we're going to share, this one and three more that we're going to share. And um, 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 when, when you build a foundation, how many know that a foundation sometimes appears to take a ridiculously long period of time? Right? I mean, it just seems like, when are they ever going to be through with that? So we can build the house. We can build on what we're going to say. And today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to build some foundation. So I'm going to, talk as slow as I can to get through this, but not drag it out to where it's boring. But, you know, nothing I preach is boring. Right, Fabian? (laughs) Say yes. Um, So, today in Matthew 13, I'm going to read, I'm going to start actually with verse 37. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm going to look at in this passage. I'm gonna look at about three different things, but we're not gonna go into a lot of detail on each of them. Just gonna lay a foundation for it. And. Um, so, so in Matthew 13, we find Jesus going from parable to parable to parable to parable. And he's telling his disciples all about these parables. And um, 
in verse 24, it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then uh, does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest At the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, Jesus went through here sharing parable after parable after parable after parable. And then we get to verse 36 or verse 34. And he says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables... And without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken through the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us only one parable. He said, Explain to us the parable of the tares and the field." He told them a bunch of parables, but they didn't, they, they didn't want explanation on any of those, at least in this count right here. They wanted explanation of the parable of the tares in the field. So, verse 37 through 41, we're going to read, and then we're going to touch on a few things as we kind of bring this foundation to a certain place. Verse 37, and he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Who's that? That's Jesus, right? He is the ultimate Son of Man, right? He's the the first one, we're the second one, right? But (laughs) he who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are are, are the sons of the kingdom. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Who's that? That's us, right? Jesus is son of man. We're the sons of the kingdom. The good seed is us. Um, But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore... As the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. I will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the Son in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. So, I read a lot there, and there's a lot you could talk about in this passage. But we're going to focus today and in this series on the good seed and the bad seed. And we're going to focus on 
the beginning of seed sowing, and then we're going to focus on the ending of harvest. And with every harvest, there's an end. But with every end, there's a new beginning. With every harvest, there's an end. But with every end, there's a new beginning. So, today, as we're looking at this passage, I want to I look, I want to turn over real quickly to Mark chapter 4, and then we'll come right back to this. The last verse that we just read in verse 43, the last part of that last verse says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24 of Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, says this. And he said to them, be careful what you're hearing. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. Now, look at verse 13 in Mark chapter 4. Here's another set of parables that Jesus is talking about all through, you know, parable after parable here in Mark chapter 4. In verse 13, which is his account of the, of the seeds being sown, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then if you don't understand the parable of the seeds being sown, in other words, you'll not understand any of the parables. Verse 14 Here's what you have to understand, that the sower sows the word. A real sower of the kingdom is one who sows the word of God. Okay? So, then he begins to talk about here the seed being sown. In verse 15 he says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, everybody say hear. Remember what verse 24 says? Verse 24 in the Amplified says, Be careful what you're hearing for the measure of thought and study you give. To, in other words, what you hear will be, the, will be the, 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 the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. So how you pay attention to the things that you hear will determine your harvest. It'll determine, it'll determine the result of how you think and the mindsets that you have in your life. Now notice what he said. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the, one, likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately, they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. But afterward, afterward when tribulation... Or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And these are the ones sown among thorns, they're the ones who hear. And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and do what? Choke the word. And it becomes what? Unfruitful. In other words, it doesn't produce the harvest. Why? Because the word that was sown was real, and they received it, different, different grounds received it in different ways. They received it, they accepted it, 
with joy. They endured for a time, but what happened? They didn't give much value to what they were listening to. The only way that tares get sown into your field is based on what you hear. What are the tares? The tares are the sons of the evil one. And what do the sons of the evil one have? Are the sons of the evil one evil people? No. No. Nobody is righteous, not one of us. Nobody has anything to boast about in life apart from the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Do you understand that today? Nobody has anything apart from what God has done. Some people know that, other people don't. But what every human being holds and has is a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. The sons of the kingdom are those who are paying attention and aware of the things that they're listening to, and it's bearing fruit in their lives. And the sons of the wicked one are the ones in the world that are listening to the information of the world, anything that is contrary to God's way, and they're meditating, and so their soul has issues that create conflict, and, and what, what the sons of the kingdom, or the sons of the enemy do, what, what they do is they put words out there, and negativity, and doubt, and unbelief, they sow that constantly, and it creates opportunity for you and I to receive and to destroy and steal the seeds that have been sown. See, I can preach this word and this series right here, but if you spend more time meditating on what other people think versus what you hear from the word, then the Holy Spirit can't reveal to you the truth of what I'm really saying. See, it's not, about, it's not just about what I'm saying, it's what you do with what I'm saying and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you as truth. It's vital. So, um, and, and we're going to get to this in, in, another, in, in another piece here, but and, and, in, I'm going to donate, or donate, I'm going to set aside most of my time um, in one of my messages talking about this. But tares are sown in your and my life to offend us. Tares are sown to offend. And there is a lifestyle of offense, of being offended, of expecting to be offended, waking up in the morning feeling offended, feeling frustrated in different things. And then there's times when, you know, you can go someplace and somebody does something and you, you feel offended by what they do and say, but you get over it. And God doesn't want us tolerating any of it, but he definitely doesn't want us living a life where we're offended with what other people do. And this passage of scripture is really clear about how it gets started, but it's really clear, the passages that we're going to look at in the, over the next few weeks, it's really clear how to get delivered of it. Because, listen to me, this is what he's after. The enemy is after your endings. He's after your endings. I'll get to that in a minute. (coughs) 
There, there are three steps, there are three things that God has revealed to me in my life. Three things that he's revealed to me that it's very good that you write this down. It's very important that, that you either write it down, you remember it, and you spend some time on this. But there are three steps to offense. Number one, when you become displeased with something, when you become, you know, irritated or whatever with a specific thing, when you become displeased, when something, um, something that you don't like frustrates you, when you become displeased, um, if things that displease you, if you don't deal with them, and I know this for a fact, if I don't deal with things that displease me, what it turns to is number two, resentment. You become resentful about people or situations if you don't deal with that. One day I was, <clears throat> I dropped my wife at Walmart and I was sitting in the car with the car aisling. She just had to grab something in Walmart. And she came out, I think maybe one of my daughters was with her and she came out and she said, you cannot believe the way this lady acted to one of the attendants that were in, at Walmart. I mean, just, she just, I mean, railed this person. And as she's telling me the story, I'm getting stirred up. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting irritated. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that God is so necessarily concerned about irritating things like that that we deal with. It's just if we don't get to the bottom of that and get rid of it. You know, I mean... I mean, I can, I can talk about that lady right now, and she ticks me off. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I could get all stirred up, and we could spend all messy. Can you believe that woman talking to that lady? She's, she's an older lady, and she's probably, you know, doesn't even want to work at Walmart, and she probably this, that, or what, whatever it is. I mean, you could get all worked up and stirred up about it. No, you have to get rid of that, because if you don't, then you're resentful, to all kinds of people. So you see somebody do something, you judge them quickly, and you have that resentment. And, and in situations in life that we deal with, when we get to a place of resentment, then what happens is we fall back into old ways of doing things. That's number three. The old ways of things working in our life, we fall back into those things. Why? We fall back into that stuff in our life because we've not dealt, number one, with what displeased us, and then we not, number two, get to the bottom of having resentment and holding resentment toward people, and so we find ourselves just backing up because we don't feel like that the word will work. I'm talking about people that have come into church, gotten free of things in their life, gotten their minds renewed, souls delivered of specific things to a certain point, but then... The enemy comes. Notice in the parable of, of, of the seeds, which is really the parable of the different grounds of the heart, the seed was sown based on what people heard. So people came to church or wherever, they're hearing the word, it goes in there, things are starting to happen, they're excited or whatever, and then the enemy comes to do what? So tears in the midst of it. People will come along. You ever had, you ever had something in the back of your mind that you know, was questionable about being offended with someone, and then someone else came along and confirmed that. <laughs> 
You might have an issue that you're holding against somebody or some group or, some, or the church or whatever. And then all of a sudden, one day, you just happen to see somebody and they confirm that thing. See, that's how we know it's of the Spirit. See, and, and, and what happens, if you take a hold of that thing and you allow the resentment to settle in, then you find yourself reverting backwards to old ways of doing things. Oh, I don't need to do that. Oh, I don't need to be like that. You came to this certain place, but then the enemy came and he sowed tares, which are what? Tares are the sons of the wicked one. Okay? You say, well, you mean, but, but this person's born again. Yeah, but their soul is tied to what the enemy thinks. So you can be born again spiritually, but your mind be so in renewed that you appear to be not born again. Because you don't give, you don't give place to the things that you listen to. For, for the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. When we don't pay attention to that and guard our hearts, we open ourselves up to all kinds of what? Calamity. Everybody say calamity. Calamity. I mean, things begin to set in and things begin to be destroyed and shut down in our lives because we underestimate what the words of other people and the tears that are being sown in our life can do. It's, it, and and you, know, you know what the deal is about a tear? You say, well, you know, that, that person's a bat. No, 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 no. no it's, it's not about the person. Okay, because why didn't Jesus say for, for them to go and uproot the tares? One of the reasons is, is because, listen, there may be a tear planted right next door to me. One of my neighbors may be a tear. But if I don't let his ideas and thoughts affect me and the way I think affects him in a positive way, what happens? At the end, we're talking about at the end of time, when we stand face to face with God, that guy's going to stand face to face with God too. Let's say that guy's not born again in any way, but he's living next to me. And he does something and he says something and acts a certain way and I get displeased and then I get resentful and then I start reverting and looking like the devil. I'm born again, I may be even a preacher, but my next door neighbor is irritating me and I'm not walking in love and doing and checking my own heart and then what happens? All these other things get stirred up and happen and, and calamity begins. And I start reverting back to old ways and unrenewed ways. Don't think you can't be reconnected to your old ways that you used to act and the things that you used to do. Absolutely so. So, Pastor, what does that have to do with beginnings and endings? Glad you asked. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> um, so in, in the passage, go back to Matthew uh, 13. In the passage in Matthew 13, I want to focus on this just for a moment. It says... Um, in verse 41, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. So as I was looking at the word lawlessness and defining that, 
The word lawlessness defines as, it, 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 you, you could word it like this, lawlessness or wordlessness. Because the lawlessness he's talking about is God's way of doing. And when a person gets offended and the seed is, is robbed from their heart, what happens is they don't do the will of God in a situation. They do what their unrenewed mind wants to do. See? And that's what caused the calamity, and that's what allows the tares to do, is to choke the good seed and cause the good seed to become, to become fruitless. The Bible says that people will be known in the kingdom of God by their fruit. But if you and I aren't bearing fruit because the tares are choking things out, because we're not guarding our heart and not paying attention to the things that we listen to and what we meditate and how we're growing in that way. If we allow the tares to choke those things in our heart, then what, can, what happens is we don't come to the end of things. And that's what, that, that's what I want to look at because at the end of time that we know of, when we're face-to-face before God, we want it to be well. Now listen to me. What he's saying right here, if in your life, I mean, you know what? Throughout, I've been saved for over 38 years, and through my 38 years of salvation, there's been times when it didn't look like I was increasing. There were times in years even, like a, a whole year, a six-month period of time here or there, when I was struggling with something or I was facing something or I felt like I wasn't growing and increasing. I just felt flat. And, and there are times and seasons like that. But that really doesn't matter. What matters is where you're at at the end. See, because at the end of the, the time that we know of here, in other words, where, where we will meet him face to face at the end, what matters is that there's not offenses and there's no lawlessness within our hearts. That's what matters. Because there is a new beginning after this life, and it's either one direction or the other. But there's a new beginning. And we want the new beginning to be the result of an ending that progressively we got to in our life because of our desire for the things of God. I'm going to say it again. We want the end of this life to be what we progressively developed because of our confidence in the Word and the seed that was sown, we took care of it, we took care of our field, and we made sure that the tares didn't choke it out, but we made sure that we made a difference so that the tares became less and less in the midst of our field, and we became stronger and stronger, and people's lives got delivered and set free. Why? Because we lived our life to walk in love and do the things that, got, that please God. Amen? So, <clears throat> in John... 19, turn there with me. John 19. So as I've gone through the Bible, I've just looked at endings and beginnings. Endings and beginnings. And this is, to me, to me, anyway, this is really powerful. This is at the end of Jesus' life on this earth, right at the end. Chapter 19 and verse 28. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, everybody say end, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. 
Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, everybody say, it. Everybody say, it. It is finished. It is finished. And bowing his, his, bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. It. In, in life, there are things that we begin. There are jobs or businesses or careers. There's school that we start, and then it comes to an end. In, in my world, it was, it was kindergarten. And it started and it ended. And then it was elementary school from the first to the sixth grade in, the, in, in my day. And it started and it ended. And then it was junior high from seven to ninth. And it started and it ended. And then there was high school from 10th to 12th and it started and it ended. And then there was college and it started and I ended it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Uh, but uh, so there are things that we start and there are things that we end and there are things that start and then they end abruptly there are things that start and they end progressively there are things that start and they end by default because we have no part in it it just ends but here it says that Jesus said, it is finished. It. It didn't say that he was finished. It said that that was finished. Everybody has things in their life that they start. Endeavors that we start. Issues in, you know, just careers or whatever it is that we start. Everybody starts something. But the it that you start is not you. Because God said, you're not finished until you're face-to-face with Him. You're not finished, actually, the Bible says, until He's done. Now, this, you know, I'm just going to throw this in there because I'm preaching today. I'm just going to throw this in, and this is free, and this may offend, because I hear people say it all the time, and most of the time, I just keep my mouth shut, and I don't say anything about it. But... The Bible doesn't say anywhere that God comes for you. Not anywhere. Well, whenever God takes me, never in the Bible did it say. Now, if you, you find a scripture and you can show that to me and prove to me, I'm telling you, I'll believe it. I'll, I'll, I'll change what I'm saying. But I never found anything where it said God takes me. Well, you know... This happened and, and, and they, they, were, they were taken. No, this happened and destruction is bought. It's the thief that comes to kill and steal and to destroy. God came that we might have life and have it more abundant. Ugly things in life happen. Situations happen. But God doesn't take. He's not a taker. He's a giver only. Amen? He is the giver of life and all he does is give. He just gives, 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 gives. 
And what you and I have to realize is that what he started in you, he will finish that. See, Philippians 1, real quick, and then we'll come back to John and we'll finish there. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Make sure to go look at this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me, he will complete it. Well, he started a good work in you and then he just abruptly stopped it. I mean, I mean, okay, <clears throat> know this. How many, how many people are on the planet today? About 7 billion, right? Close to it. Something like that. There's 7 billion people. And this book does not have every specific answer for your life. Randy, do this. Think about how big that book would be. Just with the people that are alive today. Right? Huh? I mean, the book would probably be, you know, probably from one end of the United States to the other, and people would be flipping pages trying to get, well, somewhere in there is going to tell me to do this. No? Uh-uh. He gives us basic revelation, right? And then he puts his laws on our heart. And he gave us the Holy Ghost to reveal to us, and listen, I know when something is right. I know when it's right for me. Now, this is, this is just a, this is a silly example, okay? Really silly example. And, and the church got to get over specific things in life. But I, I was, I was, we were pastoring this church in early 90s. And uh, I don't know why, why did I go to Reno? For my mom? Yeah, I took my mom to Reno. So we go to Reno. And uh, um, my aunt lived up there. My mom was moving up there. And my aunt said, uh, said you ought to go down to, to Bally's, one of the gambling casinos there. You ought to go down there and, and uh, check it out. He says it's as long as, you know, it's a, the whole, there's a mall underneath it. It's the biggest casino in, in, in the world at the time, or in the United States at the time. She said, you ought to go down there and just check it out. So I said, yeah, I think I will. She said, she said you know, if, you, if you're going to gamble... Uh, just make sure that you, you know, know what you're going to gamble with and don't do any more than that. And I thought, okay. And so I get to Bally's. I'm just there by myself walking around, big place, you know. And I'm just walking around all these, all these uh, slot machines and stuff. And so, I mean, I had, I had played slot machines when I was, a ki- when I was not a kid, but when I was younger. Uh, before, I was, before I got saved or whatever, I mean, you know, we did all kinds of weird stuff. But um, so I was, I'd played some machines back then. So I'm walking through the place, and so I'm watching this guy serving drinks or whatever, and I said, so how do you play these machines? And he goes, uh, you never played them? I said, well, I did a long time ago, but I don't know how. He said, uh, he said look, get you $10 worth of quarters. And just, he said, if you're not a gambler, he said, because he told me stories. I, I got to know this guy really good, and he told me all kinds of stories about people that just come at lunchtime and gamble their whole lives away. He said, get $10 worth of quarters and then follow me. I said, all right. So I got a, a roll of quarters, and I followed the guy. He said, did you see that lady right there? He said, if she doesn't win, you get on that machine right after she leaves. And I said, okay. 
And he said, only play to win. So you got, I think it was four quarters or whatever it was to win. And he goes, only gamble to win. I said, all right. So I'm watching this lady. I'm watching her like a hawk. I wanted to see what would happen. So I'm watching this lady, you know. And finally she just, ah, she starts hollering. She's an older lady. She starts hollering. She walks off and boom, I'm right there. Guy comes and says, nobody's gotten in front of you? I said, no. He said, all right. He said, I'll, he said, what do you want to drink? I said, just bring me a Coke or something. He said, okay. So he comes back, and so I, I put in what, whatever it was, four quarters to win. So I put it in, nothing. You know, I put it in, nothing. I, put, I think I put like four, four dollars, and on the fourth time, bam, I won. And all of a sudden, ching, 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 ching. He said, you can turn that off. I said, no, I want to hear it. Ching, 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 ching. Big winner sign up on the top, you know. <clears throat> And uh, I don't know what, I, I won like $76. And he, he says, you know what? You know what's really smart? Don't play again. I said, okay. So I took my $76 plus my $6 I had left, stuck it in my pocket, and I left. And I came home, and I was telling the story in church. Man. This woman read me the right act. Like I had actually gone to the gates of hell, you know, and played a quarter machine with the devil. And, I mean, and, and, and you know, for me, for me, even after that day, I had to get past being offended, okay? But it displeased me what she said, Okay? But I didn't let it get to resentment, and I continued to love her over that. And she, I think, carried that thing with her all her days. She's gone now. But I think she carried that about the fact that I played those, that, that slot machine. And you know what? For me in my heart, I did nothing wrong because God said. You see? But there may be someone else that it doesn't work that way with. You see? It doesn't say in here, Bert, you can't gamble. But he gave me the Holy Ghost. But what he did tell me was, what he did teach me from the gifts of the Spirit or from the fruit of the Spirit, that I have to learn to operate in self-control. I was, a, I was pretty close, pretty much all the signs of a teenage alcoholic. I had all the, all the stuff. And so I got born again. I, I didn't even like alcohol. but I, was, I drank it all the time because everybody else did. I didn't even like it. And so when I got born again... I just stopped it. And to this day, I think maybe I've had a sip of something here or that, but I just don't drink. But does the Bible say you can't drink? Bert, you can't ever have a beer or a glass of wine or anything else. Does the Bible say that? Absolutely not. But what does the Bible talk about? Drunkenness. In the same sentence of gluttony. So we're just talking about what the Bible says. Okay? But what does the Holy Ghost say for you? Well, bless God, I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no, not, not with that attitude. You're not, you're not going to be blessed as a result of that because of what God is speaking to you. You see what I'm saying? For a person in the kingdom to judge another individual because they see them drinking a beer somewhere or drinking a glass of wine is wrong. It's not, you're not the judge. You understand? 
But then what I do that affects other people's lives, I have a responsibility there. To whom, more, to whom much is given, much is expected and required. There are certain things that I can't do that other people can do, but I can't do it because God said I can't, and some of it has to do with what other people, how it's going to affect other people's lives. See, if, if, I, if we go here and let's say I went to Mama Sita's this afternoon, or, you know, after church, and went to Mama Sita's, and I'm down there drinking, uh, uh, I mean, I'm down there eating Mexican food, and boy, I just like a nice cold beer with my, and, and actually I have two or three. You know, and, and so we're sitting down there, and Dale and Isabel walk in, and, and they see me doing that, or maybe somebody in the church that hasn't been here very long, they walk by and they see me drinking beer, and they're struggling with it. Well, pastor does it, I can do it. See, but that's my conviction, you see? But I have pastor friends that do it all the time, no matter who looks. Is it my job to, to be critical and judge them? I have. Sorry, I have to admit it. I have, but I had to get over it. See, it, it kind of displeased me at first, but I couldn't let it go to resentment. See, because then I'd find myself in ways of judging people like I used to be that I don't want to be there. I want to leave the judging to God. Can you say amen to that? So there are things in life that God will require out of you and I that won't necessarily be what he requires out of others. And we just have to be really aware of it. And in this, in this Philippians 1, it says, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what I see here? I see three things right here. Number one, the beginning. Number two, the end. And then number three, the end of this world for us off whenever we're through here. I see three things in this passage. So, so you, the, the, the thing, in, there, there can be a thing in your life that, that it, that thing is finished, but you're not finished. See, because you're not finished till you're face to face with him. You and I face things all the time that we've, that you, we come to a certain place and, you know, and, and, and we know in our heart, you know what? This is done. I am done with this right here because there is a new beginning that I'm going to step into. Some people think because they're a certain age that they're just finished. No. You may be done with a specific period of time and era in your life, but you're not finished. Did you hear what I said? You're not done. See, so when we come to the end of things, as I said in the beginning, the end of something is preparing you for the beginning of something great. And you can't be afraid of allowing specific things in your life to come to an end. And I tell you what, a lot of people do. A lot of people are afraid. At different times in my life, I was afraid of something coming to the end. You know what you can't do about the past? You can't change it. And people try to fix and change things they can't change. When you know what? That thing needs to be done. And let's move on. Let, let's don't wrestle with this or this, this over here. Let's don't spend time all focusing and meditating in this certain area right here. Let's let that thing be done so we can press on to the new. And all this month, we're going to look in the scripture at things that began and that things that came to an end. And how in the end it created supernatural things that the person or the people involved had no idea of.
When the children of Israel came to the end of 40 years, they entered into the promised land that they had only heard stories about. The Bible says that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can even ask or think according to what works in you. And if you allow things to come to an end and new things to begin in your soul, as you do that, you get liberated and free from things that are holding you back and trying to rob you of your harvests. Because I'll just tell you right now, there are some endings that God wants producing great harvest in our life. But because the tares have been there and our souls are not renewed and we're allowing other people that have wrong thinking to affect our lives, it's keeping us from receiving our harvest. So today I end with this. Ultimately, ultimately, what we're talking about in beginning and endings has to do with the way you think. It's time in your and my life to come to the end of ways of thinking that are robbing us and allow new beginnings to come about. There are a lot of people that in their life they feel as though they are losers or that, that, they've, that they're never going to, going to accomplish things. The only way to replace those kind of thoughts is to replace it with what God says about you. God's already said everything about your life. He's already set us up. And, and, and life is full of endings and beginnings, beginnings and endings. And the more that we allow endings to finish in a right way, we're set up for new things. Because I tell you, my God wants me harvesting everything that Jesus' blood paid for for me. God wants you harvesting in your life everything that Jesus' blood paid for for you. Everything. And it's a day of new beginnings. It's a day of endings for those new beginnings. Can you say amen? And it's a day in our soul to get rid of wrong thinking. And we do that by being aware of what we listen to, what we pay attention to, what we meditate on. Can you say amen?